So, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we stop and we pause and we think on how great and wonderful and beautiful and marvelous you are in all of your grace towards us in Jesus, your Son. Father, today we thank you again that you've called us to take heed to your word, to consider it life-giving because it is. Father, I pray that you'll help me again today, that you will truly anoint my lips, that I might speak only what you would care for me to speak, that I would speak it in a manner and in a way that would be becoming to you and to heaven. So, Father, we welcome your spirit of wisdom and revelation today, truly that you would flood our hearts with light, that every listener to this message would be benefited strongly because of the strength that's in your word, the strength that's in your truth. It is such a real fact that your truth makes us free. So, Father, we submit ourselves to your counsel and to the wisdom and counsel of the Holy Spirit. For we're in desperate need of knowing your ways and your intentions, particularly in the day that we're in right now. So we give you praise for this today. I give you thanks for it. And I trust, I trust, I trust in your great grace upon us, Father, and upon me. So I yield to you as much as I understand how, in Jesus' name, to bring forth this truth. Amen. Amen. Before we get started, actually, on the scriptures of that, I was reminded this morning of something in Isaiah 66. I'm just going to read the first two verses of Isaiah 66, and again, in the Amplified Bible. Verse 1 says, Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. What kind of house would you build for me? And what can be my resting place? Verse 2, For all these things my hand has made, And so all these things have come into being by and for me, says the Lord. But it's this last part of the verse that I I just, you know, the Spirit of God just witnessed it to me strongly this morning. But this is the man to whom I will look and have regard. He who is humble and of a broken or wounded spirit, but this part, and who trembles at my word and reveres my commands. In other words, the attitude of when we approach this, and as I go into some of these, again, very familiar scriptures, we continue to speak about the power of forgiveness and the danger of unforgiveness. He's looking for people that see it truly as it is the word of God and not the word of a man. That's why he says, these are the people that I will have regard to, those who tremble, those who tremble at my word. And he doesn't mean to be afraid, it's, it, but it means to reverence it for what it truly is. It's the power of God come from heaven to save mankind. Every word of God is a saving word. So as we look into these scriptures this morning, let's consider that and be people you know, who reverence the word to the point that we'll be able to receive from it, okay? So last week I spoke, or the week before rather, when I last spoke, I spoke on forgiveness. I introduced it. And I'm going to go to uh, one of the verses that I read last week as well uh, as we start this. So the first verse we'll start with is Isaiah 43, 25. When God says about how he forgives, he said, I, even I, am he that broughteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake. Have you ever thought about that? He said, I forgive you 
for my sake. It's so that I can ensure my covenant blessings are always going to be steadfast towards you. It's an amazing thought. There's much more into that. I even, I, even I am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake, and I will not remember thy sins. And I shared last week that I'm going to just read what I wrote. One of the most glorious attributes of the Father's character is that he has chosen to forget our sins. And I think that does take a supernatural grace. It's not that God couldn't remember. But see, in his love, he is such love that he chooses. I don't remember that. So if you were to say, Father, you know what I did last week or yesterday? He could literally look you in the eyes. If I, it's funny saying it like this, but God could look you in the eyes with his pure heart and say, I do not know what you're talking about. Because he's that good at totally destroying even the remembrance of your past mistakes because he wants you to go forward. It's not that he couldn't remember, but he's chosen not to. From the moment we accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, he sees us only through the shed blood of Christ, which has washed us clean as snow. So in other words, this is something that we need to learn. If he will not remember if part of God's love and part of God's grace and forgiveness is that he will not remember our sins. Do you see how profoundly important it is that somehow we begin to exercise in us the grace and say, Father, help me not to keep remembering the problems or the sins of the issues that other people had against me. Help me with this, Father. I do not want to keep remembering this. It reminded me of a verse in Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah, I put it down there, Isaiah 48, 13. It's an incredible statement where he says David is talking about walking around the citadels and the palaces of, of Zion. And he says, you need to be aware, you need to be great for what's here. And then he makes this statement, or in the Amplified it says, and cease, listen, listen, and cease recalling disappointments. You need to cease recalling disappointments. And some of us, I'm telling you, we are really good at recalling every disappointment we've ever gone through, especially when it comes to dealing with people. But see again, to tremble at his word and truly reverence him and understand forgiveness and the importance of not remembering in other words, you, you and I can get to, can you imagine getting in the place where you can look at the person who hurts you? You can look right into the face of the person who betrayed you and no longer at all for real have no remembrance of what they did to you. See, that takes the spirit of God, but that's how God is with you. See, you got to catch that. God won't remember because he's love, and that's what love does. So for us to walk in the love of God, we need to exercise our spirit, man, exercise our faith to the point where we, it's not, you see, the devil will make sure, he'll bring back an accusation. He'll bring back the opportunity to still linger with malcontent, as it were, towards the person who may have hurt you in the past. But that's where you exercise your faith and say, no, no, I released him. He's forgiven, she's forgiven. In the name of the Lord, I will not recall the disappointment I had in this situation. So I'm telling you, this is why I keep saying there is, 
There is truly no greater truth than the love of God. Because again, remember we in earlier sessions, we talked about the love of God fulfills all the law and all the prophets, everything. All the commandments of God are fulfilled in this one commandment that we would love one another with the God kind of love, not the earth's kind of love, like I've said many times. But you have to go back and listen to the previous messages to get that. <clears throat> the next verse, excuse me. <clears throat> the next verse I want to look at is Romans 12, 21. And um, it's an incredible verse. It, we'll go to Romans 12 in much more length later on. In, this, in these teachings. But Romans 12 to 1, 21 is really a profound truth as well. It says, do not let yourself be overcome by evil, but overcome and master, master evil with good. And I, I remember years ago doing word studies and the word let, we just see it as, you know, let us do this, let it, but the word let is actually, it says, quote, it says a military aggressive command, a military command, not aggressive, a military command. So he's actually saying, it's your responsibility. Don't let that evil overcome you. It can if you let it, but you don't have to let it overcome you. In other words, you do not have to do it, but think about that. He said, do not let yourself be overcome by evil, but overcome evil and master evil with good. How do you master evil? With good. You do not come back. You don't rail and rail and come back and do what others do. They say, that's the way the world works. And I know it's tough in the natural. Believe me, we know this is not an easy thing. That's what I, why I said I think it's, the, it's actually the toughest assignment in all scripture. I am supposed to come back with good. You're supposed to come back with good. No matter what somebody does, we're supposed to come back with good. And I got to tell you, my flesh does not always want to come back with good. Sometimes I want to come back with my fist, if you know what I mean. But you make the choice not to. You say, no, I will not be overcome by this evil. I will not let myself. In other words, you have to learn to slow down and capture your own Spirit, if you know what I mean. You have to be in possession of your emotions and not let your emotions have possession of you. God's plan, I mentioned this last week, God's plan is that we torment the devil by doing good. I think that's an incredible truth. I learned that from a guy named Larry Huggins many, many, many years ago. He said, love torments the devil, our accuser. God's plan is that we torment the devil by doing good and frustrate him by not following after the way of the rest of the world by trying to always avenge ourselves. The Spirit's way is definitely the best way. God's forgiveness is the supernatural ability to totally eradicate from your consciousness any thought or memory of the incident. And like I said, see, this is why I often say that the true manifestation, listen to me now, all of us love and pray for the manifestation of the power gifts of the Holy Ghost or the revelatory gifts or the utterance gifts. We all want that, like I mentioned before. But I wish people could actually see that the actual manifestation of the true love of God is the most supernatural, I said it's the most supernatural manifestation that there can be. Because when the love of God manifests, that's God himself manifesting. And this is why, again, it's a supernatural thing. 
This is why, again, you have to keep working and working and working on redefining for yourself, as it were, the definition, the meaning of the word love. We're not talking about the feeling of romance between a young man or a young woman. We're talking about something that is all-powerful. We're talking about something that is all-creative. We're talking about something that is, that is supposed to surround everything that we do and be the heartbeat of what everything we do comes from. You know, faith, like Paul said, circumcision or uncircumcision doesn't count for anything now, but only faith which works from love. And in the Greek it says only acts of faith that have been initiated, that have been begun, that are working because love started it. And that's incredible. And like I said, there's so much. Everything in the book is about this. I'm going to read some from Colossians 3. And this is, we'll go back to this later too, but I want to read now Colossians 3, verse 12. And I'll go down to 14. It says, clothe yourselves, therefore. How many of you got dressed this morning? Anybody got dressed? Thank God a few of you got dressed. Hallelujah. We'd be in a mess if we hadn't got dressed. Clothe yourselves, therefore, as God's own chosen ones, his own picked representatives who are purified and holy and well-beloved by God himself. Which, in other words, think about what he just said. He's done this already to us. We've been purified, made holy, and we're loved by God himself. But we clothe ourselves, listen, by putting on behavior marked, in other words, recognized by Tender-hearted pity and mercy, kind feeling, a lowly opinion of yourselves, gentle ways, and patience, which is tireless and long-suffering and has the power to endure whatever comes with good temper. I've got to tell you, these are tough instructions in the natural when you really stop, slow down, and consider them. But this is God's commandment to us. These are God's instructions to us. And as I started out with Isaiah, he wants us to tremble at these truths. I think I'm going to write a book called Trembling Truths. <laughs> I like the name. But listen to it. Then verse 13 says, Be gentle and forbearing. Be forbearing with one another. In other words, I get to put up with some of your idiosyncrasies, and you get to put up with some of my idiosyncrasies. There's nobody that doesn't have some strange little trips about their lives or their personality, what have you. But what does it matter? You have to see them again. This is God's son or God's daughter. Be gentle and forbearing with one another, and if one has a difference, a grievance, or a complaint against another, this next word is important, readily pardoning, readily pardoning each other, even as the Lord has freely forgiven you, so must you also forgive. And then verse 14 says, and above all this stuff, now think about this, and above all these, put on love. And this next phrase, enfold yourself with this, and he's talking about the love of God now, enfold yourself with this bond of perfectness. Now, the word perfectness means maturity. So if you'll allow me to read it that way, he says, and bond yourself, 
excuse me, enfold yourself with the bond of maturity which binds everything together completely in ideal harmony. And the next verse goes to say, if you, basically it says that if you, the result of this is that you will now, you'll be able to let the peace, the whole harmony which comes from Christ, it will be able to rule and act as an umpire continually in your hearts. Thank God deciding, settling with finality all questions that arise in your minds. But see, when I studied the book and when I studied the love walk, I would stop at every one of these phrases like back at verse 12 and really, really think about that. He wants me to put on behavior. My behavior needs to be marked and recognized. Rod, are you really, do you have a tender heart? Do you have pity and mercy towards others? Do you have kind feelings? Are you immediately judgmental? Do I have a lowly opinion of myself? In other words, do I recognize, in other words, do I have a, uh, honest respect for me knowing that you, while I may know some things, I'm surely not, you know, what I mean, everything and everything. But he says, I've got to have patience, which is long-suffering. But I want to just make one comment before we go for, from verse 13 again. Let me read verse 13 again. Be gentle and forbearing of one another. <laughs> really, you see, if one has a difference, a complaint, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm sure that I'm sure that nobody here, nobody that's listening to this uh, teaching, has ever had a complaint or a difference with anybody, right? That's right. You're all perfect. You just roll so smoothly and beautifully. But he said, if one has a difference, I mean, this is you know we all do. But listen to what he says again. Do we tremble at this? If one has a difference, a grievance, or a complaint against another. Readily pardon. Now remember, the last time I spoke, I spoke about how the scripture says God is always ready to forgive. He is ready to forgive. God stands ready to forgive. All you have to do is come to him and be honest with him. You can't, you, you do understand you can't lie to God, right? Right? You do understand you cannot lie to God. And it says, nevertheless, that our God, he's so willing, he's ready to forgive us if we'll just come to it. And here he says, we need to be the same way. Are you ready to forgive people right now? If somebody does you wrong right now, is there a sense of just, I'm, I've got an immediate sense that I'm going to forgive him. It's okay. Whatever it is, I may get upset for the moment, but I'm going to let it go. But listen to this one aspect. He said, readily pardon each other, even as the Lord has, I like the amplified here, freely forgiven you, so much you also forgive. If we had a whole crowd of people here to ask them again, what, what does free mean? What does free mean? Anthony, what's free mean? Just tell me. I mean, free means what? No charge. It's all right. You can talk. It's okay. We're people. It's all right. I know. Don't worry about the fact that we're, as it were, filming. It's free. Think about it. It says freely forgive. That means no charge. Now, I tell you, he had me stop on that many years ago. I don't know how much time I spent, but he really had me just think and think and meditate. He says, I want you to freely forgive people. I don't want you to, don't seek payment. Do you hear that? Don't seek justice. Justice belongs to God. God will take care of justice. But as for our part on this, the way God can do his part is when we do our part. I wish people would finally wake up to that. He said, freely forgive. Don't charge anything. In other words, don't say, I'll forgive you if. The moment you put if you, in, the, in the combination, you put, you put uh, conditions. And see, God's love is unconditional. Remember, he, 
has no conditions. He is love. He can't help himself. He loves us. But he wants us to love like he loves. If I put a condition on forgiving you, I'm definitely not operating in the frame of God. Freely. Freely. Do you know how tough that can be? I do. Like I said, I've had some hellish things happen in my life. But like I said, I had to make a choice, as everyone in the body of Christ has to make a choice at one point or another. Will I do what pleases God or pleases my flesh? Which really is more important to me? Uh, you know, pleasing my desire to stay angry. Some people really get a kick out of staying mad. It's just something that feeds their flesh. I mean, they enjoy being angry, bless God, and they sit back and they consider and think of all ways to get even and what have you. Do you understand that is... Actually, we'll get to those scriptures later. That's actually demonic. That's opening there. When you do that, when you take hold and stay, when you have a, a strong grip on anger, a strong grip on the desire to get justice for yourself, the scriptures we'll show later actually say that you open the door to every demonic work. Why would anybody want to open a door to demons? But to say the least, that's what happens. I'm going to show you a verse there about that a little bit later as well. Now, also in prayer, of course, we all know this, but in Mark 11, we all know the verses, Mark 11, 23, 24, 25, where Jesus curses the fig tree. The disciples come and say, Master, look, the fig tree which you curse has withered and died from the roots up. Jesus said, you have the God kind faith. And he turns and says, if you think that's something with the tree, let me tell you guys something. And he points over here to a mountain and says, if you will say unto this mountain, be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in your heart. But if you'll believe that what you say will come to pass, you'll have whatsoever you say. And then he goes and he puts that very law into motion. He said, therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, when in the act of prayer, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. But then it's the next verse. And of course, he talks about forgiveness. And that's verse 25 and 26. He says, and when you stand praying, forgive. If you have aught against any. Now think about that. Often in all, well, many places in Scripture, there's an issue that he always brings up the need of being sure that you do not have anger in your spirit, in your heart, unforgiveness towards anyone. Because when it comes to prayer, listen, are you listening to me? When it comes to prayer, if there's unforgiveness in your spirit, you may as well just be quiet because ain't nothing going to work. Okay. Listen to the scriptures again, Mark eleven twenty five, And when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any. Why? That your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. If you do this, God does this. I was taught it this way. They, they, call, they called it the law of reciprocals, you know, to reciprocate. In other words, to come back and think of it. This, this is a truth, a spiritual truth pattern throughout scripture. When you do something, it allows God to do something. But he flat out says here, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior speaking. He said, if you have aught against anyone you're praying, stop the prayer. And he said, and forgive them. So also your father may forgive you. He says, but if you do not forgive, neither will your father, which is in heaven, forgive. Now, and you know, and that's where we have the scripture in Matthew 5. Actually, I want to turn to Matthew 5 and read that. 
real quick because it's too important. And I know you know the verse, but because of the teaching and what we're really going on, we need to actually look at the scripture and read it. Matthew 5, and I think it starts at 23. Um, well, no, let me start at verse 22. Jesus again is speaking, Matthew 5, 22. He says, but I say to you, now again, Jesus is speaking, okay? Not a man. Jesus, the Son of God, is speaking. And remember Isaiah 60? He's looking for people who will tremble at the word. I really want you to catch that today, that reverences it to the point that you stop everything because you're so aware of the truth and the power behind what God is saying. But I say to you that everyone who continues to be angry with his brother or harbors malice and enmity of heart against them, shall be liable and unable to escape the punishment imposed by the court. And whoever speaks contemptuously and insultingly to his brother shall be liable to and unable to escape the punishment imposed by the Sanhedrin. Whoever says, you cursed fool, or you empty-headed idiot shall be liable to and unable to escape the hell of fire. But it's verse 23, 24, and a bit of 25. So if when you are offering your gift at the altar, man, this is important. This is the reason a lot of people never truly receive the blessings that are promised, because when there's enmity in your heart, in this area. It's anti-Christ. Do you hear what I'm trying to say? It's totally against the principles of Christ. He says, so if when you're offering your gift at the altar, even your tithes, he said this. I like the fact that it says in verse 22, but I say everyone who continues to be angry. See, again, it's not that you don't get angry, but you learn to not stay angry. You learn to quell it, to quench it as fast as possible. So if when you're offering your gift at the altar and there you remember that your brother has any grievance against you, in other words, if he thinks you've done wrong, leave your gift at the altar. In other words, stop what you're doing. Don't even bring it. First, make peace with your brother. And then come back and present your gift. How clear can that be? And the next verse says, come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're on the way traveling with him, lest your accuser, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge, the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison and so on. Uh, but what I'm trying to get at is, like I said again, these are so powerful when you really consider that in the midst of prayer or anything, any service we're doing to God, unforgiveness in your spirit causes the stuff you're doing, the service you're offering to God, evidently to not have the potency, the power, or the significance that God wants it to have, or that heaven wants it to have, because there's something so deeply unspiritual. Listen to me. It's anti-God. It's anti-Christ. Anger, all that stuff, enmity against people, unforgiveness. You, you've got to see it. You've got to call it what it is so that you can actually see the strength of it so that you can understand why you need to stop it and see the danger of it. Stop it. Don't have it. It's anti-God. It's anti-Christ. He says just stop it. Hallelujah. And it's important. I wrote down one of the primary reasons Christians have many problems and torment in their lives their businesses, their families, is because they don't 
truly see this truth that Jesus taught us. Lack of forgiveness binds, or excuse me, lack of forgiveness towards others binds problems to us, stops us from being released from bondages and much more. Now, um, you know, when you read that verse about uh, going to your brother, I'm going to jump ahead of myself, going to your brother and uh, uh, asking, you know, make peace with them. How many of you know that sometimes when you wrong somebody, you'll go to somebody, but they have no, they don't, they could care less. They refuse to give up their anger at you. They, ref they refuse to forgive you. They refuse to give up resentment. They refuse. But this is the beauty of God again. And it's Romans 12, 18, this one. It simply says this, but it's one of his, Paul's most powerful statements in this passage when you study that. Paul says, if it be possible, thank you for that he said that, as much as it lieth in you, in other words, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And that's a critical thing that you have to grasp that really brings you uh, a sense of understanding. See, I, God will not condemn me. God will not hold against me somebody else's actions. You hear that? In other words, if I, but it's still my job to go to them to make the attempt. Would you forgive me? I'm, and if they go, well, now I'm never going to forgive or whatever. But if you really say, please, I apologize. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. I blew it. Will you forgive me? God will honor your doing that. And it won't be a problem for you. And now you've got to catch that. In other words, if it's, their, it's, it's now become their issue. Because if they don't choose to forgive you, they're the ones that are binding future problems to themselves. But you, because you've done what you could do, if you heard that, as much as it depended on you, you went and tried to make peace, you're released. Hallelujah. You are released. You really are. That's the goodness of God in this thing. Now, um... Uh, I want to just read a passage from Psalms in Psalm 35, verse 11 through 14. When you think about David being called a man after God's own heart, I've only got about five more minutes or something like that. But I, I want to get to a couple of points real quickly. I may have to go further a little bit next time I speak as well. But listen to David's heart here. Psalm 35, 11 through 14. Malicious and unrighteous witnesses rise up. They ask me of things that I know not. They're actually, in other words, when you read it, you find out they're accusing him, accusing him of things that he has no knowledge of. They reward me evil for good to my personal bereavement. But now listen to his attitude. Listen, listen to this. This is incredible. So people are being mean to him, as it were. People are accusing him of things. But listen to what he says. But as for me, you really got to hear this. This is heavy. But as for me, when they were sick, the people that are hurting you. My clothing was sackcloth. I afflicted myself with fasting. I prayed with my head bowed on my breast. Now listen to this, verse 14. I behaved as if grieving for my friend or my brother. I bowed down in sorrow as one who bewails his mother. Do you hear that? You're talking about the truth of what Jesus saying, love your enemies, but I'd say unto you, love your David said, the, purple, the people that hurt me and keep telling lies about me, when I heard they were sick, 
He said, I prayed for them as hard as I would have prayed for my own mother if she was sick. Can, can you imagine that? Having the same compassion towards somebody that's really hurt you and spoken ill of you. To pray for them, not just, you know, I work, Father, bless them. But to pray for them like you would your mother. That's incredible. I, I think I'm going to finish with this one verse. But there's one other, th one other thing that really struck me. Uh, and I never thought about it before, but I want you to turn to Luke chapter 23, 22, Luke chapter 22. This is the verse I'll do my best to finish with, okay? And everybody can smile and then go have their hot dogs or whatever. Hallelujah. This is when <clears throat> Jesus is at the Last Supper. Let me make sure I'm where I need to be here. Sorry, I'm just looking because I just looked at this earlier. Sorry, Luke 22. Oh, yeah. Luke 22, the very first verse. Luke 22, 1. Now, listen. Now, the festival of unleavened bread was drawing near, which is called the Passover. And the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to do away with Jesus, but they feared the people. But then this phrase, listen. But then Satan entered into Judas Iscariot, who was one of the 12 apostles, and he went away and discussed with the chief priests and captains how he may betray him and so on. Now, I had never really considered this before. You know, why did he go and do that? Why did he go? Well, it's because of one thing, you remember, because of the alabaster oil that was uh, put on Jesus. And he got upset because he said, hey, that money could have been spent and given to the poor. That was one year's entire wages for a working man at that time. And uh, in other words, but remember, it says he was a thief. He used to steal from the bag, steal from the money bag that the disciples carried around. He was the guy in charge of the finances. But think about this. That phrase so hit me. He resented. Listen to me. He resented Jesus's actions. He was upset by what he thought should have been the right thing to do. And the Bible says, because of resentment, now really, this is it. See, I, I don't know if you'll hear it like I heard it. Because he had resentment, because he was upset, it says Satan entered him. Now, I, I stopped and I went, oh, my God, do you mean to tell me? I mean, is it that, is it that clear? You're actually saying? He said, yeah, it is. My people do not understand that when they hold on to strife, they hold on to grudges, they hold on to ill will, they hold on to resentment, and they start seeking a way to get even or to make things right in their sense, they literally open the door for Satan to come in. Now, i got to tell you, I don't think anybody would knowingly, to say the least, invite Satan into them. They would truly be deluded if they did. But I'm just saying as I finish this morning about this, I want you to see how, again, prolifically powerful, I don't know what words to use it is about this stuff. I will not harbor resentment. I may have some resentment for a moment, but I've learned I get rid of it as quickly as I possibly can. People have hurt me. People have hurt you. But do you want Satan involved in your life, please see the truth 
Don't allow the resentment to open that door. Don't allow the anger to open that door. Do not hold on to unforgiveness. It opens the door to the devil himself. Man, to me, if there was no other verse, I don't know why, but that just so hit me. Satan entered into him, all because he was not happy with Jesus' opinion, Jesus' actions about this. Can you imagine? Well, that's where we're going to stop for today. And uh, like I said, we'll go further with this, I think, next week. I'll, have a, you know, I'll be in prayer about it this week. But let me pray for you. Father, in the holy name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I go back to Isaiah 66, 2 again. Would we be people, may we please, may we somehow be people that tremble, that reverence your word to the point that when we see it, it is insanity to us not to obey it. I give you thanks, Father, that you've loved us to the point that you've forgiven us freely. And not only done, done that, but you've made the decision to never, ever remember our sins. You will never take something from the past and hold it against us. You will never take something from our past and hold it against us because you're that good. And again, Father, in Ephesians 5.1, you said we are to imitate you. And we are to walk like you walked and forgive like you forgave. And you said that would be a sweet fragrance to you. So I pray for all of us, Father, that we might really be able, by the power of the Holy Spirit and the help of the Holy Spirit, to really discipline ourselves, to recover ourselves quickly in the name of Jesus Christ, so that we do not open any door to the wicked one. I give you praise for it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.